what they find is when they leave the office at a time when, especially at a time when everybody was in an office <laughs> in a lot of companies, but they get, let's say they remove themselves even more, whether it's, uh, you know, from an office situation or just from the day-to-day running of the company, the company actually runs better, right? And they're, the employees are happy you're out of, out of the way. And they, it doesn't mean they don't like you. In fact, they may love you and they may want you to go do that stuff you're great at, that visioning, that ideation, that creative development, that business development. And I can't tell you how many times I see it where people are really empowered and then they do you know, an even better job and grow the company even better than the founder did, especially with the founder doing stuff in their highest and best use area, maybe focusing on you know, organic growth through deals. Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out-of-the-box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the Deal Quest Podcast. Let's get started. So this is a solo cast, and if any of you Deal Quest listeners listened to the last solo cast, you'll know that I talked about some things related to creating a, a business that is something that you work on, not in, that is scalable, that we build enterprise value, and related some of those things to the fact that it will, although it's not necessary to do all deals, that the more that you scale your business and create it less dependent upon you, the more you are freed up in terms of time, resources, team, et cetera, to be able to do more deals, which will then accelerate your growth as well. And also, the more you're setting up yourself for enterprise value and exit, because you have a company that's less dependent upon you. And some of the things that we're going to be doing in our Entrepreneurial Freedom course, which will be coming soon, are really talking about that. And they're deal-related you know, in those ways. And one of the things that I talked about briefly on the last SoloCast was the concept of team building, right? You know, of very few businesses. I mean, uh, even online businesses these days have, usually have some sort of team. I mean, in concept, you've got the, the one guy who creates an app and it goes crazy. But in reality, the far majority of businesses uh, and even tech businesses, uh, you know, have people that are crucial to it. And building a team is definitely part of scaling it to different degrees, but pretty much universally. So I want to talk, delve into a little bit more about team and how you successfully build team. And, you know, there's a lot of work out there on culture and things like that. I want to talk more about stuff that affects you as an entrepreneur, executive, business leader, and some of the mistakes we make and some of the things that we, we should be really looking at to build the right team to help us scale for organic growth and for deal-driven growth. So the first thing is flexibility. And the reason I bring up flexibility is that, you know, the old model, certainly in big companies, and it's amazing how many smaller companies and entrepreneurial companies, growing companies have sort of adopted this, is there's sort of default ways of thinking on how an employment relationship should be, you know, set up. And I'm not even talking about legally or comp-wise. I'm just talking about in terms of the, the expectations, you know, the sort of the nine to five, nine to six, and even in, a, in an entrepreneurial company, it might be more like nine to nine expectation. 
but you know that people need to be physically there. There's a certain amount of oversight that you know you know you want to be see people. There's a level of micromanaging that sometimes goes on. There's a level of uh, lack of trust sometimes, and there's a sometimes a thinking of you know I, I think it's actually fundamentally a an ego conversation that some entrepreneurs have. Uh, you know where they uh, look down upon their employees sometimes or wonder why they don't work as hard as them or care as much. And you know frankly, it's a ridiculous concept to think that somebody does not own your business, that didn't live and die, is that not that concept is going to be as invested as, as you are. But there are many ways to have them be very invested you know, in the company. And one is flexibility, right? Everybody works differently. I think some of the thoughts that a business needs to have some standard ways is overblown sometimes, okay? I've gotten some super amazing, talented people to work with me for many years because I've been flexible to their needs. I have employees who are parents who want to work from home for most of the time. Now, by the way, in this age of you know coronavirus, COVID-19, that's become pretty common, but I created a model where most of my team works remote most of the time for over five years now. So what that, and I mentioned this on, you know, in one of the prior podcasts, I mean, we had a seamless transition as a company when COVID-19 hit because everybody's so used to working remotely. But even more than that, in terms of this conversation of employees, you can get phenomenal people, right? Parents, mothers, fathers with kids who want to be home and they're super hard workers, but, you know, they want to have that flexibility to, you know, see their kids at lunch or take them to a school event and things like that. So whether it's, I'm not only talking about remote work or homework, but just having, you know, flexibility, which comes down to another fundamental thing for me, which is that when I hire people, and obviously I do my best to interview and vet them and et cetera. And, you know, frankly, I think that's a little bit of a crapshoot, which is why you need to hire a little slowly and fire quickly when somebody's not working out or it's not the right fit. But the other thing, you know, is in terms of this conversation of flexibility is figuring out what makes it a great situation for them. And then you actually get a much bigger pool of people who are, you know, maybe at a talent level or even on a full-time basis at a price level that might not work for your company or your stage of development, but you can get them at a lower rate because maybe they're not working full-time or because they value the flexibility and the other benefits and freedom and respect and trust that you give them that, you know, uh, getting that top dollar from maybe a bigger place where they'd be more locked in, who could more afford to pay it, is not as high of a priority for them so that they end up being willing to work with you and then you get great talent. Along the lines of increasing the sort of pool of talent and getting great people, and obviously this is topical in a lot of ways right now, but it shouldn't be anything new, and that's the conversation of diversity. And I'm, I'm going to stay out of the conversation of any kind of certainly politics, any kind of just even, even coming from a moral place, or I'm talking about the business case for diversity. Why would I want to choose, whether it's consciously or for many of us, and, you know, from a place of unconscious or implicit bias, and if you don't understand, you know, know about that, take a look at the studies, a lot of the books written out on the studies that show that resumes with the same exact resume, where they put a black sounding name and a white sounding name on it, the white sounding names get, you know, many more interviews. So you don't have to be, you can think that you have no um, prejudice in that way, but because of implicit bias, there's a tendency to choose people who we think are more like us on a subconscious level. So if you do work on that and clear that out so that you're really open to anybody who comes along from any background, well, now you've significantly increased the pool of talent that you can hire from. 
And, you know, folks who may have fewer opportunities in various places because of, well, outright bias, but also implicit bias, and also not being comfortable in being places that aren't places that are sort of open to them and really the culture is welcoming. Well, now, again, you have this opportunity to get great teammates, great employees, great people, executives who, you know, are looking for an opportunity who's super talented, but may have fewer opportunities than others. And when you provide a place that respects them and gives them that opportunity, et cetera, you get really hardworking employees very often who do a great job for you and you can get them in a way that works for you economically and otherwise. So that's another huge point uh, in terms of diversifying the, the pool. So if you have flexibility and you're willing to choose from everybody, well, now you've just, you know, I mean, there's a huge number of additional highly talented people you can attract. So when I often hear businesses say, I can't attract the right people, I'm having trouble finding people, I always wonder, and listen, obviously it's different industry by industry, geography, et cetera. And I'm not saying, you know, I know so, some folks in certain tech fields, uh, you know, where certain people are really, really, you know, tough to find. But I think that it's at least useful. And, you know, I'm always about the internal game, looking at ourselves to look at if there's anything we have in terms of our assumptions, in terms of our implicit bias, in terms of our rigidity, in terms of, you know, how people work that is reducing the pool of, of amazing talent that we can bring in. You know, I've not said, you know, I, I can't say that I've always been able to find people immediately when I need them, but my flexibility and openness has caused me to be able to find people much more quickly and more frequently when I need them or sooner, you know, thereafter, even if it takes a little while than if I was choosing from a more limited pool or had more rigid criteria for how people have to work. So, you know, those are two important things. And then the question of what motivates them, right? Now, listen, I mean, that flexibility is a piece of what motivates people, but different people are motivated in different ways. Some people just need to be recognized and praised a lot. You know, that's just who they are. And they get a lot out of you telling them great job, you know, or praising them in front of other people, whether it's internal staff or clients or things like that. You know, other people just you want, to, want to be challenged. That's their biggest thing, right? You know, they hate being bored. They love the fact that you challenge them. You know, other people, I think for everybody, just respect and trust, certainly, and empowerment, you know, uh, to, to say, hey, you can handle it. I trust you. That's a huge thing. And when we get to the conversation of tying some of this stuff in uh, and how it affects growth and deals, well, obviously, you know, I spoke on the last SoloCast about just the concept of building team and having the in-house team to be able to do the aspects of deals when you do them. But also, you know, it's the concept of freeing you up, Right. Our biggest resource for those of us who are busy is usually time. And yeah, sure, you build a great team, you scale, you're going to make more money, but you're also going to free yourself up, including to have yourself, you know, focused on your highest and best use areas, but also focus on those areas of, of being able to look for, identify, and, you know, uh, negotiate and close deals. So if you figure out how to get the right people and how to motivate them and empower them, then that, that ability to free yourself up to get uh, the kind of deals done, and then obviously look for those deals that fit that entrepreneurial culture where you have that high level of respect and trust for people. And listen, that's a big, big topic. And yes, there's all kinds of great books out there and resources on creating culture. But again, I want to bring it back to us, to me, to the entrepreneur, to you, the business leader, executive, to you, the business owner. And what is it about us? Because that's the place to start that may take away from you know, people's empowerment. And it looks in, in, in a few different ways. I mean, obviously, if we don't, if we're micromanaging, if we have those control issues, those perfection issues, that's a huge problem. But it can go the other way. 
Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to join AldealQuest Community Group on Facebook. There, you'll have a chance to engage with other entrepreneurs, business owners, executives, and leaders who are looking to grow, do deals, and make a bigger impact. In addition to the great content and community, you can also register there for our Conversations Community and Cocktail Zoom calls and the upcoming Deal Den Zoom calls during which you will have the opportunity to brainstorm and get support with deal-driven growth for your company. Now back to the show. Let's talk about delegating up. This is a favorite of mine. So I often, you see it all the time, right? Where uh, you give a task to an employee and they come back and want to basically delegate it back up to you. How do they do that? Well, they say they can't handle this. Can you just do this part for them? Or they ask you a question and there's always a balance between, like I look at my, myself as a resource to my team and my people. And that's how I present myself, right? Not like a boss where I'm looking over and then they do. I got to trust them to come to me and know I'm a resource. So I want to be available for that. But if it's something that they could figure out or something that they should know, or sometimes they know it, they just don't trust themselves as opposed to giving them the answer. Sometimes it's better to send them back and say, figure it out or get it done or handle it. because without that crutch, if you're always the crutch for them because they don't have confidence in themselves or because they're worried or because they don't want to take the responsibility for the ultimate decision, then you're always going to be that crutch, right? That's not going to change. So, you know, there's that balance between being a resource, as I said, and not letting people delegate back up, right? And I'm very, very, very diligent about that. In fact, I'll often say to some of my attorneys, some of my employees, in my, uh, you know, speaking training company, whoever it is, well, they'll say to me, uh, can you look at this? And I'll often say to them, do you really need me to do that? You know, if the answer is yes, obviously I'll give it a look. I'll add my, I'll add value. But it's amazing how often sometimes when I say that, they say, well, no, you know, I think it's actually good. Uh, okay, fine. Then send it out, right? I'm here if you need me. You know, if you say, oh no, listen, I really want you to look at this section or this thing that I did because I'm just uncomfortable with it or I didn't want to be sure I got it right. Well, okay, great. I'll do that. But sometimes it's just so that they don't take responsibility or they're a little nervous or it's a lack of confidence. And if you build up their confidence and empower them, it's really going to serve the company and you going forward. And again, free you up to do many things, including deals, and also put them in a position where they can be better uh, resources on those deals and, you know, in integrating and building and training other people going forward. So, what prevents us from doing that, right? We talked about a little bit about micromanagement. We talked about a little bit about ego. Sometimes it's fear, right? You know, we're afraid of things not being done right. Well, you know, if you hire right and you empower and trust and do all these things and train people, that's the other thing, right? Training is crucial. We'll get to that in a second. Then a lot of times, a lot of what causes us to be worried doesn't really exist. It really comes from a, a place of our unwillingness to give up control and we turn it into this concern or fear for the client not being served. And the truth is, I mean, listen, in the businesses that I'm in, client services is it, right? I don't make widgets, right? Whether it's on the legal side or whether it's on the, you know, the, the speaking side, the training side, what we have is our obviously expertise and work product in terms of like, for example, legal documents, agreements, getting deals done. But really, really, it's our service and relationship and quality provided to the client, which is totally related to our individual services and services as a team. 
So it's not like we have an assembly line, you know, producing widgets. So, you know, they're totally related. But very often your team can do, how about this concept? Maybe even a better job than you on many things if you get out of their way. And I've, there's so many examples of entrepreneurs that I know who sort of, sort of finally got this or got it by accident, right? I hear, you know, people, there's this big thing with a lot of entrepreneurs organization companies where I've taken a year in Spain or in Italy. In fact, I know a couple of people are exactly in those places right now. And what they find is when they leave the office at a time when, especially at a time when everybody was in an office, <laughs> a lot of companies, but they get, let's say they remove themselves even more, whether it's, uh, you know, from an office situation or just from the day-to-day running of the company, the company actually runs better, right? And they're, the employees are happier out of, out of the way. And they, it doesn't mean they don't like you. In fact, they may love you and they may want you to go do that stuff you're great at, you know, that visioning, that ideation, that creative development, that business development. And I can't tell you how many times I see it where people are really empowered and then they, they do you know, an even better job and grow the company even better than the founder did, especially with the founder doing stuff in their highest and best use area, maybe focusing on you know, organic growth through deals. So one other thing comes up, or many, but one of the things I think of that comes up is this sort of fear, like this desire sometimes to make sure that people don't surpass us. This thinking, oh, well, I don't want them to become too good because then maybe I become less useful or maybe they will risk taking my clients or maybe uh, you know, they'll leave me. And I think that's a mistake because the value you would get from them and who they influence, not only the clients, but people internally, uh, for the time that they're there. And then if it's time for them to move on, the truth is that's a, a much better thing to have somebody firing all cylinders, growing, doing great work for you, and then losing them than having somebody stay there and not being at their best and doing a mediocre job because, you know, you haven't helped to empower and have them grow. And talking about growth, training, that's the big thing, right? If you are really committed to people's growth, you're going to help train them or get them trained or have others in your company train them to grow, not only, obviously, in terms of your systems, your skills, everything they need to know for the job, but also to help them be empowered and grow as people. Again, I always talk about the internal journey. I talk about it in negotiating. I talk about it in deal making. I talk about it in entrepreneurship. And that only does not only apply to us as the entrepreneur, as the business owner, as the executive, as the business leader, but it applies to everybody in our organization. And the more people grow and know themselves, and you know whether that's in terms of gaining confidence and improving their communication abilities and skills, in terms of getting clear on what they're great at and what they're not so great at and what they want, it only benefits if you have the right way of dealing with them and the right communication structures and actual real communication with them, it only benefits everybody, including the company. And listen, a lot of this ultimately comes down to trust, right? And I talk about trust a lot in various scenarios. I talk about it in terms of deals when uh, we say, hey, the only thing worse than uh, not getting a deal done is doing a bad deal. And part of that is you have to trust when it's not right to get the deal done or trust that another deal will come along or that you're not meant to do a deal. Well, you know, here you need to trust if you've hired the right people, which of course you don't know day one, but you know, if they're people who are working in your company, let's put it that way, you should trust them because if you don't trust them, they shouldn't be working there if it's on their end. If you're the kind of person who doesn't trust anybody, you got a big problem because there's no way to really scale and grow in a way that doesn't have your life be miserable and also limit your growth if you cannot trust and empower people. So, and listen, trust is broken sometimes. And sometimes you actually, 
you know, there's a great concept to be able to give trust even after it's been broken because not everybody's not perfect. Now, of course, if trust is repeatedly broken, then it's not the right relationship, not the right person, uh, whether it's, it's an employee or a, uh, or a personal relationship. But, you know, the ability to, to hire people and, get, and, and trust them to do a great job and be creative, right? Encourage that creativity in them. And, you know, all of that will help you when you build this empowered team who's working, you know, motivated by the things that they are motivated by and you're, and you're playing into those and they have the flexibility they want and all this kind of stuff. Well, they're going to not only set you up, free you up and, and put you in a better position to do successful deals, but they also may even come up with great ideas, not only for organic growth, for sales, for marketing, for new products, et cetera, but also that might be deal related, right? You know, maybe they think of a great strategic alliance that you can do, or they say, hey, you know, why don't we go into this market? And whereas you may go into that market just by, you know, hiring salespeople to go into that market, you also may go into that market through an acquisition or a joint venture. So all of these things could lead to deals. And either way, team is absolutely, absolutely crucial. And listen, fundamentally, every employee you hire, you're doing a deal with. Now, we may just think about it as, you know, employment, we're paying them and they're doing that. That's a fundamental deal, right? We pay you X, you provide Y services. But it's deeper than that. It's everything we just talked about. Part of the deal is, hey, part of what I'm offering you is flexibility. Part of what I'm offering you is respect. Part of what I'm offering you is empowerment. Part of what I'm offering you is training. Part of what I'm offering you is valuing you and trusting you, right? Those are all currencies or what lawyers call consideration, right? It may not be legal consideration. Some of it is, some of it isn't. But the point is that like in the trade-off of the deal, because listen, nobody owes you anything. Nobody has to work for you. So the deal has to work for you and each of your employees. And they're going to give you services, labor, commitment, time, energy, creativity. And part of your deal is what are you giving them? And if you think it's only pay or even pay and benefits, right? Health benefits or whatever, then you're solely missing out because then somebody will make a move the moment they can get more pay or better benefits. But these other things like trust, empowerment, flexibility, respect, training, and all that kind of stuff is part of the deal that you are cutting with these employees, which will help your company scale and grow, help people stay with you, which I'm blessed to have long, long-term employees, which frees me up to be able to be more creative, to develop business, and to look at deals to grow my companies. So with that, I'm going to encourage you to really focus on your existing team, see how you're working with them, see if any of this resonates, see if you're not doing any of this. And then also look at it in terms of how you grow additional team to have your company scale, to be able to do more deals while you're on the company. And then obviously, as I said in the last solo cast, to create enterprise value and uh, the, more, the higher likelihood of being able to monetize the value of your business at whatever time that you want to exit from it. And that could be, by the way, through external sale or through internal sale. If you build a great team, this is the last point I'll make. And I think I'll probably do a solo cast at some point delving more deeply into internal succession deals specifically. But you know, the more qualified, high level, uh, robust team you have, the more likely that one of your options for exit at the end of, you know, of the time when you want to, whether it's you know, upon retirement or hopefully you know, or upon your passing, things like that, the more likely you are to be able to have as on the menu for options, an internal sale. 
an eternal succession strategy because you have a bigger, more robust, higher level team that can run that company without you, who are more likely to be interested in buying it from you and also more likely to be successful in doing it. That's a smooth transition. People often think only about external exits selling to another company, which is often the right move. But this other option, I can't tell you how many companies, especially companies that are less scalable and saleable, um, service-based business, things like that, a much higher likelihood of getting an internal succession deal done if you've built the right team, then being able to sell it on the outside. And sometimes there's a lot, you know, fewer issues. So it depends upon, you know, what's best for you. But the point is building this team helps free you up to do deals along the way, but also makes it more likely that your company's more valuable to an outside buyer, but also creates this group of employees who might end up being your buyers when you exit. So with that, folks, I'm going to say uh, have a great week and uh, all the best to your deals. And We'll see you, uh, see you next week with another episode with a guest. And then in a few weeks, look out for my next solo guest. Take care, everybody. Thank you for joining me on this episode of DealQuest, where we help you understand how deal-driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. You can be a friend of the show by leaving a review on the Good Pods app, podchaser.com, or any major podcast player. Every review helps the show reach more listeners. If you're ready to take your deal-making to the next level by becoming a master negotiator, head over to Amazon or Audible and grab a copy of my best-selling book, Authentic Negotiating. Then connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know your thoughts. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.